Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. We have a lot of tough talks on this podcast. We've talked about sex, porn, suicide, bullying, neurodiversity, failure, death, and so much more. It was always my aim to present you with the entire child development pie and invite amazing guests on the show, best-selling authors and top experts who could dig deep, providing you with deep slices of that pie so that you can have these conversations with your children and teens and that they will come to us when they need somebody to talk to. One thing I know for sure is that if we want our kids to talk to us about anything, we have to be willing to talk to our kids about everything. Today's guest in the hot seat is me. Since my book comes out today, October 10th, and I couldn't be more excited to share it with you. You've been part of my village and my community since 2017. We have been through a lot together and talked about some very intimate things. I will ask now, as I don't ever do this, I've never asked before, would you please go to wherever you get your books? Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Target, your local indie bookstore, and order How to Talk to Kids About Anything right now. It has been six years of work, interviews, researching. You have been the fly on the wall. You've been the community. You've been the village. You've been through it all with me. This podcast has been what I've been doing this all for. This podcast, this book, it's all been With you in mind, all the writing, all the editing, I hope and pray that you will find it all worth it. I think you will. I think you're going to love it. And once you order it and receive that book, please give those five-star reviews because that's going to get more people to know about it, buy it, use it, and make a difference with their kids. And that's really what we want. Would you do that for me right now, please? Would you go buy the book right now, please? Thank you so much in advance. And now for my amazing moderator today, none other than my husband, who's been through it all with me. So I hope dads will give a good listen to what he has to say. He's been through it with me, the good, the bad, the ugly, the utterly hilarious. Jason Silverman and I have been married for almost 25 years. He's a brilliant marketer. He's the founder, chief executive officer, and president of Silverman Consulting and Systems Success Mastermind. He's a business development coach. He is amazing. He is my partner in Powerful Words Character Development and my partner in life. So welcome to the moderator position of How to Talk to Kids About Anything podcast. And now I'm going to flip into guest mode. Hello. Hi there. So first off, I'd, uh, I'd like to say how honored I am to have the opportunity to do this with you. Um Perfectly transparently, I am so proud of what you've accomplished, and I'm in awe of the amazing resource that you're bringing to the world. I truly believe this is going to be one of the greats, a book that every single parent should have in their arsenal and use regularly. Now, folks, 
In case you don't know who Dr. Robin Silverman is, she's a child team <laughs> development specialist with a passion for helping kids develop their strengths and helping them to thrive. She's always seen children as assets to be developed rather than deficits to be managed. Known as the conversation doc, Dr. Robin is the author of, as you know, How to Talk to Kids About Anything, out now. Get the book. And host of the popular podcast that you're listening to right now. Now, She's been writing this worldwide program, Powerful Words Character Development, for almost 25 years now, which gives educators the talking points they need to help children become kind, responsible citizens of the world. Dr. Robbins has appeared on the Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS Early Show, and Nightline, has been quoted in the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, and pretty much every place else on the planet. She lives with me, her husband, two kids, and her fuzzy dog, Bentley, in North Carolina. Now... We're going to dive right in. And here's the cool part. She told me that everything was fair game and I can ask whatever I want. So I'm going to do that. I think there is a lot to be learned from the journey, not just the book. So, you know, Robin, when you're initially sitting down and putting pen to paper, what was that burning passion inside you that said, I got to get this message out to the world through how to talk to kids about anything? Mm. So I would say this book has been almost 40 years in the making. I mean, we were just talking about how I started this podcast in 2017, and that was, you know, for all the interviews and getting everything ready to write the book. But the book really started when I was in fifth grade because I was bullied during that year. And I don't mean like physically accosted, but I was ostracized from the class. And it was one of those years that I remember so vividly, the only other years that I could say I was in as much pain in terms of like that mental anguish was when we had all of our miscarriages. So this kind of is on par with like that kind of pain. It's and it's so visceral and so memorable to me. I still remember like kicking rocks on the blacktop during recess and all the other kids were up on the stairs by the school and they were, you know, pointing and gossiping and laughing. And I was completely by myself. And I know that the, the aides were just standing there watching. I don't know if they didn't know what to say or they didn't think it was their place to say anything, but they definitely didn't do anything to change anything. And inside that building was no different. During that time when you know the teachers certainly saw what was going on, and one of my teachers did call a meeting about it. But when she did, she ostracized me too. She had me go to the library by myself. And she called the meeting of all the other kids and spoke to them about what was going on. When you're already feeling alone, that kind of just made me feel more alone. And then she sent the girl who was not the offender in terms of the one who had all the power over me and kind of made this all happen. But the girl, she didn't want to basically know me during the week, but she would invite me over for sleepovers and tell me her I was her best friend on the weekends. And I let her. And that was really terrible, too. So she came to get me and she scowled at me on the way uh, in. And I still remember walking into that classroom and all eyes were on me. And the teacher said, what do you want to say? 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, what do you want to say? What do I want to say? I'm the kid here. I have no idea what to say. At home, my mom, you know, she didn't know what to do. She just handed me tissue after tissue. Um, I would cry and cry and cry. And I just didn't know how to change anything for me. My poor mom did not know what to say or do. You know, it's one of those times when your traumas really become the impetus for, you know, what you do in life, your purpose. And that's what it did for me. It said, I had to come up with what to say and what to do when people were in a position of not knowing what to say or do. They wanted to help, but they didn't know what to do. So it came from there. I was driven to write this book so that other kids like that in whether it was bullying or some other topic knew what to to do or say. And the teachers and the parents, they knew what to do or say. That's outstanding. I, I really like what you said as far as, you know, that that trauma feeding the purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's amazing when you can actually take that negative and, and turn it into a positive for so many other people. So that really is powerful. And I appreciate you doing that. Um, I want to talk about um, the structure of this book because honestly, it, it, it's not like any other parenting book I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. And as you know, we have every single parenting book in the, in, on the planet, uh, <laughs> you know, in your library. So you included actual scripts, conversation starters, quick tips. You've done it in a way that makes it, you know, dare I say, fun to read, mm-hmm. easy to read. Um, why'd you do it that way? You know, obviously this is a ton more work mm-hmm. for everybody. Um, but why was it so important for you to do it like that? Well, thank you for coming with me on this journey because I know it was not easy and it's six years of, of researching and interviewing and writing and, and editing, but you're right. Like if you look through my book, there are, you know, little, little charts, questions to ask and, and sample scripts, like you're saying there's sample scripts and there's areas where it's like swaps of what to say and what not to say, say this, not that. Uh, and and a lot of bullet points and ways to look at it that doesn't feel like what I say, like lifting up a brick. Because for me, when you look at a book and you open it up and it's all just like one big paragraph, it's a turnoff for me. As a reader, it's a turnoff for me. So I wanted to write a book that I wanted to read. And So I write in the way that I want to consume information. I want to be able to open up a chapter, skim it through if I need to. I want to be able to see bullet points. I want to see charts. I want things to be really easy to to take in uh, at a moment's notice. So if my child asks me a question, I want to be able to like, hey, sweet pea, I really want to answer this question for you. This is really important. I'm so glad you came to me. I just need five minutes to just get my thoughts together. Let's meet downstairs for ice cream and then be able to like turn to the death chapter and turn to, you know, one of the pages where it's telling me how to talk to kids about death uh, for that particular age group and just be able to open it up and consume it right there on the spot. That's how I wanted to see the information. That's how I consume it. So that's how I wrote it. Well, and and to be perfectly honest with you, everybody that 
has seen an advanced reader copy has commented on that exact point. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, this is just so easy to read. I didn't expect it to be like that. So again, kudos to you. Cause again, I think you're doing something that really hasn't been done. Yeah. I mean, think about it. We're not like, I'm not just a child development specialist. I'm a parent. I, I need this information in easy chunks. We're busy and we still want to have these conversations, but we don't have hours to just sit and read. We may need to read something or skim something in two minutes. And other times we may be able to sit down and, and read for a longer period of time. But a lot of times, if you've read the cha- the chapters through, um, sometimes you may just need to pick it up for that moment. And I wanted it to be that kind of book. And it is. It certainly is. Um, When you think back years ago, right? Mm. We started the How to Talk to Kids About Anything podcast. You know, had you already created the vision for what this book is today? You know, what was that like for you? Initially, I thought that I might do like 52 conversations you need to have with kids. You know, (laughs) and it's going to be like, but they weren't all going to be like, they weren't going to be these long, you know, longer chapters. But the problem is, how do you take the sex chapter or the death chapter or the failure chapter and make it short, like really short. You're talking about like the need for it to be maybe four pages or five pages. You know, you you have to limit it so much that it would just be the very key conversations that you needed to have like one or two. And as I started writing the initial chapters, The first one I wrote was on mistakes and failure and death. Those were my first two chapters that I wrote. And as I was writing those chapters, I was like, all right, well, even these chapters are like 30 pages worth. So clearly it's not going to be 52 conversations. It's going to need to be a shorter number. I was writing and writing and writing, and I got to like, let's see the seventh or eighth chapter. And I wrote to my editor, these are like the these are like the little secrets nobody knows about, but here we are, right? Having this conversation right now. So you're on the ends. But I wrote to her, I was like, how many words do I get um for these for this book? And she'd been reading them all along. She's also a parent and loved all of them and was like using them for herself with her kids as she was just like, this is amazing. I love this, you know, and she you know, gave me feedback and loved it, loved it, loved it. I was like, how many words do I get? And she was like, oh, you get like a hundred thousand words or whatever. Maybe it was like 80. I was like, you know, we're already at like 85,000 and I have two chapters right left or three chapters. She's like, oh no, I'll give you a hundred thousand words, but not, not anymore. Now, not to mention the entire back end of this book is all like references, right? Everything is extremely well-researched. Most of it is grounded in research and these and expert interviews and coming from science, why we need to talk about this, how we need to talk about it, what do we need to include in these conversations. Because of that, the book was going to be meatier, even though it's really accessible and easy to use. So I had to cut down those chapters. So what may have been 52 conversations, then down to like, let's say 15, then down to like, let's say 12. 
became nine. I rolled in neurodiversity into the diversity chapter. Families needed to go into the divorce chapter so it became divorce and different family structures instead of its own chapter. And then there were some that I kind of had to be like, oh, I have to cut this chapter and secretly don't tell my husband, like just in case I needed to write another book that could go into the next book. Yeah, we won't talk about that right now. Anyhow, the process was a process, huh? It was, Um, it was. Before we talk about doing things the right way, uh, one of the things I've always gotten a lot more information from was, you know, what would you say are the biggest mistakes you've seen people make when they're trying to connect with kids or with students or with athletes? Mm. So I'd say one of the biggest mistakes is, is one that our parents used all the time. And if you think back to the way that our parents talked to us, it's not like it was like bad or anything. I, it, it's just the template doesn't work for conversation. It works for their own monologuing, right? Like it was fathers know best and that's, you know, here's the information and here's what to do and that's it. So as you know, when you wind up just lecturing to somebody, they turn off. So I think one of the ways that we do it, we may do it wrong is by lecturing and by pushing your own agenda. You and I've had this conversation a lot that these kids have a lot of different insight. They have, it's a different world for them. They know more than us about certain things. I mean, you know, think about the way they approach technology. You know, they know a lot more than us because it's like almost second nature to them. And it you can't apply exactly the same way we thought to the way they are doing right now. So because of that, when we just come and push our own agenda and we say, this is what you need to do. This is how you should think. Here's my advice. I don't really need to hear what you need to, you want to say, you cut off the conversation again. And, and our kids may have a different opinion about something important. Are these conversation openers or are they conversation closers? You're too young to think that way, or you're too young to even be considering this. That's going to close the door. It doesn't make them not want to have the information. It just makes them get it from somewhere else. So, yeah. right, the studies that they've done over and over again now, whether it's on sex or porn or suicide or bullying, a million things. The studies continually say the same thing. Number one, kids want to have these conversations with their parents. Number two, when we have these conversations with kids, they are less likely to engage in risky behavior. And number three, when we don't have the conversations with these kids, they are more likely to engage in this risky behavior And they're more likely to go to somebody else to get the information. And you may not like what those people say. You may not want them to get their sex porn information from some kid in the back of the bus. You may not want them to get their information on body image from some influencer on TikTok. (laughs) You want to get this information from you, the trusted source who knows their child best. So mistakes, like assuming that 
I, if I don't talk to them about it, they're going to, they're going to delay all of that. That's not how it works. There's still kids in this world. They still want the information. And if you're not going to talk to them about it, somebody else will. Got it. That dovetails nicely into, uh, we know that the world is changing rapidly, right? Communication is different. It's, it's, it's everywhere and it's nowhere. Right. Um, and yet still more vital than ever. So why do you feel that parents need to be having these conversations? Mm, I'm going to say on a personal level, I was sitting in the car with our daughter who's 14 and she said to me, and this was just like recently, she's like, so if I was at a party and there was drinking and, and, and not now, she said like, not now, but like, say I was say there was drinking and say I was drinking. Would you just say like, would you be like so furious with me? Would you be just so mad? Like I'd get in so much trouble. This is like the test, right? This is, this is when your value is going to either come across as I'm your safe person or I'm your warden. This, mm -hmm. this is the critical moment. Okay. So your child lobs it up and you then take it. And thankfully I like recognize this moment and believe me, there's plenty of times I've messed up millions and millions of times, as you know, like in the middle of my house yelling in the stairwell. If in that moment, I said to her, well, you know how I feel about underage drinking, but the thing I would want you to know most in this moment, if you were in that situation, is that I don't care what time of day it is. I don't care where you are. I don't care if it's three towns away. I don't care who you're with. I want you to call me and let me know that you want me to pick you up. I never want you to get into a car with somebody who has been drinking. I never want you to be around people who you feel are making you feel unsafe. I want you to know that I will always be there for you. Your dad will always be there for you. We will come and get you. We will take care of you. We will not say anything about the drinking itself at that moment at all. We will take care of you. We will come and get you. We will put you to bed and you will never get in trouble with us for reaching out for help. Never. Will we talk about it in the next day or two? how you could have gotten out of the situation you were in before you got into it so that you didn't feel unsafe? Absolutely. But you will never get in trouble. So the reason why we talk to kids about tough topics is so that they know we are the trusted source, so that they get the information they need to make good choices when it's really important that they do. And are there aren't. They're armed with what they need to know whether we're there or not so that our voice is inside their heads in the moment when they're approached with, what should I do? Choice A or choice B? Is it the influencer's voice inside their head? Is it some kid who said something? Is somebody's older brother or sister? No, it's your voice 
because you've said it, because you've led, left the breadcrumbs all that time. And they know this is what my mom would say. This is what my dad would say. And it would not be, I can't call my parents. I'd get in so much trouble. It's, I have to call my parents. They'll know just what to do. I love that. Let's talk about the topics that you cover in this book. All right. There's some really, really touchy ones in here. Um, as you know, we've certainly had, as you already started to allude to, many different sex talks with our kids. Mm. Um, and quite honestly, I wish I was armed with this chapter before I had that experience with Noah, <laughs> who was uh, seven. So I'm in his room and we're doing the whole bedtime routine. And he says, but um, how does it get in there? And I said, um, what are you talking about? You know, the baby, how does it get in there? And here's the interesting thing. as At this point, uh, my heart was in my throat. <laughs> and I hear Dr. Robin marching down the hall, kind of chuckling because she just had this. And she's like, well, have at it. Uh, <laughs> and we had that conversation. I you know, stumbled as best I could. I, I got relatively technical. And I still we, remember being like at the end of the hallway and I knew you were having it, this conversation, because I heard like really loudly, like two minutes after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a lot of follow-up, like, do I have to do that? <laughs> is my wife, he said, is my wife going to make me do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, it was an interesting evening. So, um on that note, what would you say the chapters are in the book that, you know, was there one particular chapter that made you like the most squirmy? Cuz mm. I know you touched on you touched on all the tough stuff. Mm -hmm. All the tough yeah. stuff. What would you say if you had to pin it down to one, just one? You know, it, it, a lot of these conversations people think like you know, it's like the big the in front of it, the sex talk. You know the drug talk, the 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 a caveat here. It's never one conversation. It's always a series of little ones throughout their childhood. The sex conversation at age seven is not going to be the same conversation you have at nine or eleven or fifteen. I'll say first of all, one of the ones that made me very squeamish was the sex one, but it was almost like pre-worrying. I was so worried about having the conversation because who the heck wants to have this conversation? So I was like pre-worried. And I still remember when I was on interviewing Dina Alexander. She was oh. my first, the first one that I interviewed on sex. Since then, it's been like Logan Lefkoff and Bonnie Ruff and Charlotte Markey, like so many different people, Cara Natterson. I've interviewed so many people on these topics now, but the first one, I just remember, like, I'm glad it wasn't videotaped because while it was happening, I was like shrinking down into my chair. I was like, ah, because I was like just dying inside uh, at, at like the idea that I was going to have to say these words to my children. So those people who are listening to, you, to me right now, like understand, I totally get it. I was like right there with you. And I actually said to my friends when they were listening to the podcast, because I mean, at this point, we have 2.5 million downloads. At that point, we still had like quite a lot was happening, was ramping up. It was 2017, was ramping up and word was getting out about it. And I had said to my friends, like, 
if you ever wanted to play a drinking game, you just have to listen to that particular episode because if she says clitoris one more time, you know, you'll be completely drunk as just, just dying inside. So that conversation was definitely one that I was worried about, but it turned out that when Tally did ask me, and this was when um, our closest friend, one of our closest friends, Heather was pregnant. And, and so this is why the kids were thinking about like, how did the baby get in there? That's why that question kind of happened. And it turned out that that part of the conversation, the mechanics was like such a small part of it. And the rest of it about romance and kindness and respect and consent was memorable in the best way possible. And I talk about that in my book, but I, that I felt like it was one of those conversations that I will never forget. And at the end of the conversation, Tally actually said to me, I, I love having these conversations with you. You know, that's that's one of those, those, you know, we always say, gosh, you know, parenting is tough. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that makes it worth it. That's the kind of stuff that makes it worth it. And 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 the uh, the other one that I would say like really made me nervous was the porn talk and I would say that's, you know, similar reasons because, you know, who wants to be able to say these things? So I that I chose <laughs> I chose the rip off the band-aid approach to that. Well, hold on I, before you, before you dive into this. Please know, especially during the research phase of this book, one might never know what the topic of discussion of the dinner will be. So please well, Roll in. I did never wanted my readers and my listeners of this podcast to think that I was instructing them to do anything I wasn't willing to do. So I am there with you. And when we were having those, all those people on Gail Dines and Peggy Orenstein, like talking about porn, like I needed to make sure I was talking about these topics. So yes, like I made chicken parm and like with a side of porn talk, you know, I like served it up. I, I sat down at the dinner table and I said, and sometimes using a statistic can be really helpful. I said, and this is in the book, did you know that there's a study that came out that said the majority of kids by age 11 have seen porn? Have you? Now, the reason why I chose the rip the Band-Aid off approach was so that like I could get the words out before I like stopped. You like you only had a few words to say. So just <laughs> get it on out there. Now, I still remember you looked at me, you straightened, you pulled your chair in and you put your elbows on the table and just looked at me like, let's start the show. You're like, still remember that. Like, you're like, let's see see how this goes. (laughs) Like, I'm ready to be entertained here. I believe in, I believe in research as well. And I was looking for the research. Yes. Uh, And so this, this was really interesting. I mean, as uncomfortable as it is to say any of that, it was really interesting for me and so worth it. Because that it was at that moment that Noah said to me, and he's very, he can be pretty open, but he was like, you know, I was Googling something, something came up and I X'd out of it right away, but I never told you because I thought I was going to get in trouble. Mm. And Tally, who first prefaced this with, could we change the subject to anything else? I'm mortified, said, 
Okay. Yes. She and her friend, our, our neighbor, one of the neighbors down the street when we lived up in New Jersey, we were online somewhere, Googled something, something came up like similar story. And we slammed down the computer and like ran away from it and never to be opened again for the remainder of the day. And I didn't tell you about it because I didn't, I was afraid I was going to get in trouble. This again, parenting goals, like this is what you want because you can then say your value. My value may be different from somebody else's, but in our family, we are obviously talkers, as you know, or I would have written this book or done this podcast, but I was like, I want you to know that you will never, ever get in trouble for coming to us to let us know that something happened that made you feel uncomfortable or that you have questions about. You will never get in trouble for that. And you would never get in trouble for what you just told us. And Noah actually said to us, what, what should I have done in that situation? And again, like, this is what you want. Well, if this happens to you again, like, yes, you did the right thing, Xing out of it, but you can come to me or dad and say, I don't know what happened. Like this came up. I don't know what's going on. Can you check it out? What did I do? What did I do to make this happen so that we can work through it with you? Because, and here we go. There's a reason why we don't want you to see porn. Talk about this in that chapter on sex and porn that it can be very damaging to a developing brain. It can be addictive. It can be very confusing. It can give you ideas of what relationships and uh, it's supposed to look like that are absolutely wrong. It shows violence against women. All the things you wanted to say, and I, and folks, this is in my book, so it's not like you have to, you know, I could cram this in. But take notes on this. I feel like the the subtitle to this is, yes, it's awkward, but it's so worth it. You got to have these conversations so that your kid has this information and that they know they can come to you and they know they can make informed decisions. That's it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So just to get real with you for a sec, um, you know, my parents were divorced when I was 10. Mm. And on a personal level, that was far and away, you know, the most difficult and traumatic time of my life. Mm. Um, and I got to tell you how valuable it would have been had I had an adult um, who could have talked to me the way that you do in that chapter. Oh, wow. Thank when, you, wow. you know, when I read that, I was like, huh, this makes a lot of sense. Wow. This would have cushioned that blow so mm. nicely. Still, still a crappy situation, but you know right. what? Um, at least for me, I didn't feel like I had um, responsible adults who could actually, you know, soften the blow. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like the information is what does that. So, mm -hmm. you know, I know personally how big of an impact that chapter is going to make to a kid going through that nightmare, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. for all the parents and all the kids that use that chapter, um, for their voice, let me just say thank you for doing that. Um, you. you know, there, there, there are topics in here that while you don't have that direct experience, mm -hmm. um, cause that was one of the first things, like when I, when I, when I went through the book and I'm like looking at like, you know, I wonder what the difference is between personal experience and the research and the depth of research that you did. Mm -hmm. Um, and man, that everything was nailed. Like when I looked at like, 
Um, even the comment on, you know, listen, we're still a family, things are different. And, and just the way you even explained it in the tip, mm. like, wow, man, that would have been great. That would have been absolutely fantastic. As a 10 year old, um, I'm pretty sure it would have helped my parents as well. Yeah. I mean, this is, that's a really touchy topic and divorce looks very different for all different kids. You know, you had a situation that had a lot of animosity. Some people might not have a, a divorce that's as contentious. We know that there's a lot of now blended families, single parent families, like families look different now right. and kids can feel strange they can feel like people wouldn't understand. They may feel like the divorce is their fault. And you had a lot of negative messages that were told to you that could definitely make you feel like you could have been at fault there, you know, that you were acting out and angry about the situation and you had a right to be. Because people weren't listening to you. They weren't helping you. They weren't making you feel seen and heard. And the combination between the divorce chapter along with the first chapter on emotional health and how to talk to kids about sadness and anger and fear would have been imperative so that you didn't feel so alone. I mean, we know that one of the main reasons why I wrote this is because I really feel like kids feel very disconnected these days. They feel disconnected to their parents. They feel disconnected to their friends and their neighbors, and they feel disconnected to themselves. We also felt that way. A lot of the time when we were younger, we just didn't know that there was a way back and we didn't know that other people were feeling that way too. We just didn't talk about it. The eighties parenting, it was like, we just stuffed it into our right foot and put a smile on our face and just kept going. Right. It's come a long way. So if you had to distill the essence, you know, the heartbeat of this book mm. to one statement, and I'm going to hold you to one statement. Mm. What would that be? I'm torn, but I'll say what I said earlier, which is, if we want our children to talk to us about anything, we have to be willing to talk to them about everything. So powerful. So, so powerful. On a personal note, um, how would you say this journey, this writing experience, has it transformed or you know, hopefully elevated your own approach to connecting with our kids? Mm -hmm. It's interesting to be a child development specialist, and I've had conversations with other friends of mine who are in that sort of helping position as therapists and school counselors and, and psychologists and psychiatrists. It doesn't make it so you know everything, because I still work on my own ability to emotionally regulate at times when things get really stressful. I feel like my podcast and this process of writing the book has been like a masterclass in talking to kids about tough topics. So I think what it did for me is to say, you got to keep 
presenting all this information. You have to keep listening to your child. You have to keep asking your children, what do you think? Is there anything I'm missing here? And and you keep showing up. I remember in the very beginning of the school year, Tally said to her friends when she was telling me something on FaceTime that seemed surprising to them because it it had to do with dating. And her friends are looking at her with wide eyes and she turns to them and she goes, oh, my mom and I talk to each other about everything where she's just cool like that. And I thought, oh my gosh, all those breadcrumbs, you know, right. all those nights, all those awkward moments. And we did it. We did it. Our kids do talk to us about these tough topics. I think they know that there's nothing off the table. And that part is really, really gratifying for me. If you get to a point where your child thinks of you when they don't know what to say or do, then then you've you've really done it. Perfect, perfect. So obviously behind every masterpiece <laughs> is a journey, right? We've talked about, you know, what your writing process was and how challenging that was. And mm-hmm. folks, for you listening, I know she gave you kind of a a Cliff's Notes version of it, but it was no joke. Let me ask you, since I really haven't before, you know, were there ever any moments during this process that you had either a profound revelation or even a moment of doubt? Like, you know, we, we've, we've always had that, uh, we've had that wonder like, hey, can I do this? Should I do this? Mm. Did, did that ever creep up? I mean, yeah, every chapter, right? Like I was like, who the hell am I to be writing this chapter? Like that happened constantly to me. One of the chapters, that chapter on diversity, the first time, the first draft that I went through, it was awful. Like I had to scrap it completely because I was writing in a totally different way. I was like afraid to write it. Because I felt like, who am I to write this? Like, I'm like this white woman, cisgender, straight. I'm Jewish, but like, besides that, what makes me like fall into a diverse category? It just felt like, I I felt like I was imposter syndrome. And my writing coach read the chapter and she like called me and she was like, I don't know who wrote this but this is so not you. Like everything that you've done, this was the final chapter. She's like, everything you've written this far is like your best friend is talking to you. This was like some removed expert in the front of the room who was like quoting research. It was like, just so not me. And I confessed to her. I was like, I just feel like I I don't know what I'm doing here. There's a reason why I left this for last. I interviewed all these incredible experts. I want their voices to shine. She's like, you always let the these experts' voices shine. You always do that automatically. But let me just tell you, you're not writing for the people who are being marginalized. You are writing for the people who are doing the offense. You are writing for the people who don't want to be offensive, 
who need this information so they can talk to their kids about it so that they are the allies. So they are stepping up and they have the information so their kids are kind and respectful and get it right for those people. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, right. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you, Dina, by the way. Dina Santorelli is an amazing writing coach. Thank you for giving me that and, and helping me. That, that and pushed then, you through. That it pushed me through. And then I was able to write really like authentically and yes, still highlight the incredible voices of people who are in these marginalized groups who wanted to get their point across, who wanted to make sure people weren't discriminating. And then I was providing the information that people needed who wanted to step up, who wanted to change how they were approaching things, but also people who may just not have thought about it. I've had people come up to me already who've read my book and have said, I have already used some of your word swaps from that chapter. I didn't even realize I was doing. I did not understand it until you put it in the book and then gave me the alternative and she's like, I actually have been making these changes and I've talked to my staff, like this is, you know, somebody who's in educator mode, who've talked to other educators about it. So we're creating a movement here. We're creating the change. These are what they call microaggressions. A lot of us don't know about it. I certainly didn't know all of these before I was researching the book and, and interviewing people. You have to learn what do people who are in these marginalized groups really want you to know and keep our mind open because changes might continue to happen. So I want you to get into a helicopter or we're, we're going to go 20,000, 30,000 feet up. All right. Look down and, you know, a year, three years, five years, seven years in the future. How's your book paving the way for a brighter future for parents, for educators? Wow. And my hope is that this book is an evergreen book <laughs> that people read, they revisit, they dog ear, they underline, they star, they highlight, and that it's part of each school, each household, each after-school program. I want people reading this so that they become part of the support team for kids. There's research out there that says that young people don't feel that they have at least three people to turn to in time of need or challenge, like three key adults. And what I'm asking for adults to do is to be one of the three. I want them to step up and be one of the three. So what my hope is, is that people continue to read and reread and use this book to keep connecting with children and keep revisiting these topics, following up and making sure that these kids know that they can always come to you, your door is open. And if you are not the right person to talk about a particular topic with them, because maybe you don't have the experience or the knowledge, or you just don't feel like you can be the most helpful, that you're the bridge to the person who is. That's my hope. Outstanding. So I always, I love to ask this question before we get into tips and resources. So what is the one question I didn't ask you, but should have? Mm, I would say that there are all different ways of getting into conversations with kids. And 
And your kids are probably different from each other, you know, in a household. If I came to you and, you know, gave you that statistic on porn, you might've been like, I, I, you didn't respond to that. My son, who's extremely scientific, like loves statistics. So if I provide one that really opens up conversations, but some people respond best to stories. I have a lot of those in here. Like, let's say for like the failure or mistakes chapter, you know, you can say something like, did you know that Dr. Seuss had to submit his books 27 times before somebody decided this is worth publishing or Oprah Winfrey was fired from her first job and said, she's not fit for TV. These are things that people need to know. And the research says that when we tell kids about failures of famous celebrities, that they tend to stick to things more. And that's in here. So maybe a story is going to be the best way in. Maybe it's your story. Kids understanding that you're now giving them some information about what happened to you in the past with friendship or bullying. And that opens the door. So sometimes people will ask me, you know, how do I open the, open the door when, you know, it feels like the door keeps getting shut in my face. And it may be that you need to try a different approach, asking them their advice. Kids love to be in that savvy position where you can say, Hey, you know, my friend came to me and said her, her kid was just dropped from her friend group and she doesn't know what to do. And I don't even know what to say. And your child may provide it. You can be like, you know, one thing I know about you is that you're extremely intuitive. You have great advice. So I'm going to give my friend the advice you gave. So know that your child may be different and that the conversation starter, and I provide so many different ways in, it may be different for one kid than another. It may be different for one sibling than another sibling and try different ways because that's the way to start to make inroads. But just keep trying. Just keep trying, definitely. All right, it's time for our top tip, but I'm going to ask for two top tips. So the oh first boy. One, uh, for all parents out there who are f- maybe feeling a bit lost or overwhelmed or frustrated or burnt out or all those things that we all feel as parents, what's that one beacon of hope or advice from your book that you want them to hold on to? Oh, there are do-overs. You know, I say this on every podcast, like you're going to mess up. I mess up all the time. You may have like listened to something I said and like, oh, I missed that. (laughs) I missed that conversation or my child brought that up and I shut it down or I, they brought it up and I said the wrong thing. Just know like you can have a do-over because each day that you're parenting is a new opportunity to try again. So if you said it wrong or you wish you said it differently, or you wish you said something at all, you can go back and say, you remember when you asked me this, or you brought this up, or this happened, can we have that conversation now? So that would be what I would say for sure. Right. Now, for all the educators, for all the coaches, the instructors uh, who are truly ready to step up, you know, what one piece of advice can you share with them to provide them with the confidence to take on those tough conversations? You're one of the key people. Like, let's not pass the buck here. uh, there's a child out there that may be coming to you that's coming to nobody else. Like you're awesome. You're still a superhero in that child's life. They may feel more confident coming to you than their own parent. Sometimes that happens. Uh, Parents who are listening, you probably, of course you want to be the one. 
but sometimes somebody else is the one and it may just be for a small period of time. So for those parents, for those teachers, for those educators, for those coaches, we're all part of the same team. We all want these kids to thrive. We all want these kids to have the information so that they can answer questions for themselves. They can make good choices in the moment. And we want them to all feel supported and not so alone, right? Not so disconnected. So know that we want you as part of our team. And again, if you're not feeling like, oh, I can talk about this with this child in the depth that I need to, or I need the parent involved in this, you may be the bridge for all of that to happen. So please step in and please follow up. Fantastic. So it's time for our resource of the week. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, I would say, where can everybody get a hold of your book and about all the amazing <laughs> work you're doing? But listen, folks, get this book, get lots of these books, get this book. We believe in the buy one, give two theory, right? Mm-hmm. Buy one for yourself, give at least two to people who you absolutely like, love and trust and care about. Um, get them these books is an amazing resource. Now, if you want to buy a whole mess of them, you can contact us and we'll get you some amazing bulk pricing on them. If you want to buy 200, 300, 500, 1,000 copies for your company, for your school, for your camp, for whatever that you want to get these out to people that you absolutely adore, grab them easily. If you just want a copy and you absolutely positively should have at least a copy, you're going to go over to any place where you buy books. Or if you'd like, go over to drrobinsilverman.com. That's D-R-R-O-B-Y-N-S-I-L-V-E-R-M-A-N.com. The cool part is, is wherever you get a book from, you can go onto her website. You'll see a big thing where it says book. Click on that. She's already created four different amazing free bonuses for you. Go ahead. All you're going to do is you're going to enter your receipt number from Amazon or wherever, and you can immediately download these four resources. They are all super valuable. This is not just fluff and junk and stuff. This is really helpful tools for you. Um, So you're going to want to go ahead and grab that there. There is a ton of information on her website. So again, drrobinsilverman.com. Any place you buy books, whether it's Amazon or Walmart or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million or any of the indie amazing indie bookstores, Go grab a copy, multiple copies. It is going to make your life easier. It is going to make some kid's life better. This was, this was fun to uh, to turn the tables on you a little bit, right? That was super fun. And I just want to thank you for, for asking me all these questions. That was like, I, I mean, I didn't know the questions were coming. And there were some different ones that I wasn't anticipating. But I, I just thought it was super fun. And I just appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming on the ride with me. It hey, was a bumpy was, one at times. But <laughs> we're here. One, but you know what? Like, um, I truly believe you are changing lives one page at a time. And now let's let's let the world fall in love with it. Thank you. Well, everybody, I guess we could say we've got our takeaways (laughs) and sweet (laughs) friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. You can go up to Facebook and go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. And I hope you will. We can chat about it all over the place. Twitter, which is now X and Instagram will be, uh, I guess, creating memes that I've said, which is hilarious. But hey, I hope there was some really good ones that we can slap onto memes and you can just share them away. Most importantly, of course, please get the book, please buy the book, please read the book, please gift the book and 
write those reviews, those five-star reviews, I'm telling you, if you go to iTunes and rate and review this podcast, those five-star reviews make a huge difference in people seeing the information, hearing the information, learning about all of the great things that we're doing here at this podcast. They'll learn about the book. I truly appreciate it. And if you get the book and you are so inclined and you love the book and they get want to give a five-star review. I hope you'll go to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all those other places. You can cut and paste the same one. Oh, and if you take a picture, oh my goodness, take a picture and tag me. I want to see that picture, put it up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, all those places. But if you tag me under Dr. Robin Silverman, Robin with a Y, I will be so excited to put it into my Instagram too and share it in my stories and on my Facebook. I want to do this. I so appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, and I mean fellow parents, I'm right there with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything for all this time. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many great podcasts up there. And the show notes, ironically, will be up there as well from this one. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here, you're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow and we've got this book. Whenever you doubt your know-how, your choices and your sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are and I will take that in myself. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again, get the book and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.